Thank you for listening to the In The Lead show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and check out the In The Lead newsletter. Every week I send out mindfulness and leadership tips to help you become the best leader of you. See the show notes for a link to subscribe to the newsletter or go to www.intheleadshow.com and subscribe there. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang and you're listening to episode number 35. In today's episode, I get to talk to Markel Morris, who is the CEO and founder of Futures in Motion. She is a career counselor and coach with more than 20 years of experience. Markel is ready to serve you. In her work of guiding and mentoring people in search of meaningful careers, she coaches one-on-one and in groups, creates career information resources, and presents educational programs. Her goal is to empower her clients from a place of possibility and abundance. In today's episode, we get to explore how to lead through adversity. Now, Markel and I have met over Twitter over the last couple of years. We both participated in a number of Twitter chats. And as I got to know Markel's story, I got to see how truly inspiring her leadership is through many different twists and turns and different things that she has faced in her life and her approach to creating a meaningful, abundant um, life for herself, but for her clients as well. So I really look forward to bringing this episode to you today and have you explore that topic of how do we lead through adversity? Because adversity is always there with us and great leaders know how to show up for their teams and themselves when things get tough. So hopefully you'll find some value out of this conversation today and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang and I'm joined today by Markel Morris, founder of Futures in Motions to discuss leadership through adversity. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I I love that we're connecting today. Markel and I met probably in the last year or two over Twitter. Um, we participate in a lot of the same chats and I just, I loved your story and I loved your perspectives on adversity and how you've been able to lead yourself through your life, um, through some of the adverse adversity you've come up against. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation today, but before we get started, maybe a little bit about you, who are you and what do we want to know about Markel? (laughs) Uh, so, I, like you mentioned, I'm the um, founder and owner of Futures in Motion, and it's a career management company that I've had for um, many years. And I work with professionals who are seeking greater alignment in in their careers or more clarity about their career direction. And quite often, uh, they have come to a place in their life and their career where perhaps it's just not as interesting or motivating as it was before, or similar to me, which we'll talk a lot more about, um, they face some significant uh, life-altering circumstances that cause them to really reconsider the direction that they want to take in their their life and their career specifically. And so I help my clients to get clear about their goals and aspirations, uh, understand their natural strengths, what's most important and valuable to them, how they want to show up, in, uh, in the workplace, how they want to show up in their lives and come up with a strategy for bringing where they are now to where they want to be. Yeah. 
And that's such powerful work. And, you know, on the surface, I can remember thinking to myself, like thinking about getting clear, like on your vision or even your values. I think, I think like, isn't that obvious? Like, aren't we all pretty clear on that? But I don't think it is as a coach now myself, I spend a lot of time with people in that space of really getting them recentered and grounded in the current state and having that eye on what is that North star? Where do you want to go? What does that vision look like? And I think it's really difficult for people, especially people who are, like you said, going through adversity. One of my favorite authors, Pema Chodron talks about when things fall apart. So when life just kind of falls apart, you get a divorce, you have an unexpected death in the family, or maybe you lose your job. Those moments of falling apart can can really cloud a lot of that vision and can kind of throw us off center a bit. So I'm curious your thoughts on like some of the adversity that you or challenges you've faced in your career and in your life. Like what have you noticed as far as like that, that roadblock or that thing that gets in the way from us being able to kind of see that vision? Yeah. I mean, all of that is, is, is so true. And I, I think within even within, within the context of careers, but even just in the context of life, when people hear vision, I think that what they are expecting to find or get clear on is a very specific job or a very specific place. And what I've discovered through my experiences is that I remember um, early on, people would say, you know, life is a journey. And I'm like, no, you know, life, like the journey is the destination, those kinds of things. And I'm like, no, that's not true. We're, we're trying to get to the checkbox, you know, kind of a right. thing. And when I experienced these life altering challenges, I started realizing over time, I started realizing that really the journey is the destination and why I became, why I came to understand that and why I embrace that now is, so I was sailing along in life just fine. And then I entered this season of just upheaval. And it started with um, unexpected separation from um, my job. I, I didn't get fired. It was a, just an untenable situation and I needed to make it an abrupt decision. And I, I, was, I moved on from that, but I didn't have a, a plan <laughs> and I didn't know what I was gonna do. And I had a little bit of money in the bank, you know? And so I found myself there and then fast forward through that year, by the end of the year, I actually was married. And, you know, that was really great and wonderful. Um, then we, my husband and I experienced, you know, different things that you do as in life, doing life together. Um, fortunately, we had each other as, as we were going through that. And then he unexpectedly passed away just a few weeks before our one-year um, anniversary. And then nine months later, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. So within a very short amount of time, I went through all of these different things. And so how it affected me was in every way. It affected me financially. It affected me sp uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, cognitively, everything, you know? And so all the things that anchor us were completely torn apart, <laughs> unmoored. And so I had to really, um, it's more than a, uh, willpower you know you talk we you heard uh, you've heard this the toxic positivity is like oh just do this and you'll be fine and just think positive and while i embrace that concept 
the reality is, is that you need more than that at some times in your life. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. I had to really dig deep into my faith. I had to really dig deep into my relationships. I didn't have those um, things in my life where we get our identity. I didn't have a job. I didn't have my husband. You know, I didn't, so uh, who am I anymore? I didn't even know who I was anymore. And so I had to rebuild my sense of identity in addition to rebuilding my income, in addition to rebuilding my career, all at the same time. And so I really you know, can resonate with what you were saying before about blocks. Those are huge blocks because a, those are huge mountains to climb over. And it was really difficult to get my footing to really create a ladder to um, pull myself up, to be able to get over those walls, to see the other side, to see a, a more clear vision and to take those steps forward. Yeah, I, I, I can really resonate with what you're, you're saying. It doesn't even sound like you had one mountain, like you said, many mountains all at once that you had to climb over. And as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, like what a powerful experience as well. I know a lot of times we can look at adversity or things that happen to us in our lives and think like, oh man, like why me? Or this is terrible. And not that it's toxic positivity, but being able, once you get through it to kind of take a look back and go, wow, I learned a lot. And I can actually see the blessings and the gifts that were from those really tragic, um, life altering events to see like, yeah, the things that come out of that. So I can, I can see both sides. And I agree. I think a lot of times we throw toxic positivity at things when we want it to either go away or it's some kind of coping mechanism, like just be happy. I know I was told a lot, like, just be happy. Like just push all that other stuff away. Don't think about it. And I'm like, how do I not think about it? I think it's a lot of times I look at trauma as like, it's almost like a part of you. Like when something massive happens in your life, like the death of a spouse, that's a part of you. And that will probably be with you for the rest of your life. That doesn't just go away and you can't just push it away. Um, so I think the toxic positivity. Yeah. I, I, I hear that a lot. And I, I agree, like you said, with some aspects of it. And I think there's a time and a place, but when we're using it to like, again, push away or kind of push down whatever those feelings are, or whatever's coming up for us, I feel like it only puts up more roadblocks for people. Cause I see when people do that, that it actually almost digs a deeper hole for them to get out of. It's like, you just keep digging deeper and deeper. It's like, you would have been better off if it had, you would just kind of met it head on. So I don't know if you had any experiences like that. I work a lot in therapy with like really meeting my feelings or meeting these things that come up in my life and really trying to work with it in the moment, like right there, not trying to push it aside. Yeah. Um, well, I do have some thoughts on that. And I agree that while it is hard and it was very hard for me, I needed to be able to fully experience everything that I was experiencing in order to work through it and get to where I'm at right now. And it was very, very hard. Um, uncomfortable is an understatement. Uh, as you can imagine, the feelings and emotions that I had from the multiple losses that I experienced, especially in such rapid succession, um, 
it was it was quite overwhelming to to deal with and but I came to a point in in it when I was in the midst of it where I felt like you have all these questions like you were saying or all these these thoughts why me why is this happening happening to me this is so hard mm -hmm. I don't deserve this I had all of that and but then I started listening to myself over and over again and I said you know what all of these things that I've experienced have taken so much from me. I'm not going to allow them to take my future. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I started digging myself out of the depths of despair because I didn't want to allow my future to be destroyed by the things that had happened to me in the past. And yes, I can see what I, how I benefited, you know, the, I, my character grew stronger. My faith grew deeper. My relationships um, got stronger. I, I met more people. My, my, I have a great life. It, every, all of those things. And I, I would never want to go through the things that I went through again to have these things, never. And I would never want anyone else to have to do that. However, Again, I did not want those things that happened to me to um, destroy my future. And so I was determined to pick out the pieces from the rubble that I could use to rebuild. Yeah, I agree. I have a very similar perspective. What it feels like to me is almost like deep appreciation and deep compassion. Um, I, that's one thing that comes to mind for me and going through some trauma myself is like thinking, yeah, you don't necessarily want to go back there, but I can appreciate what I went through and what I had to do to get myself out, like you said, and kind of the whole journey and the process of that too. And just the amount, like you said, the depth of discovery that happens in that space um, is very profound. And like you said, can be uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like for me, it felt like, well, you don't really have another option. A lot of times when you're in that moment of falling apart, it's you almost are, it's an equalizer. It's like, you go, Oh, okay. I have no other choices right now, actually, than to just take one step forward or pick up that piece and just start putting all the little pieces back together. And there's some empowerment in that too. Um, and that was what I was hearing from you, almost like a deep, like gratitude or appreciation for the process. Oh, yes. Um, the process became, well, it's everything now, but <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, I was, my life was good before that. And I, I thought that I was a positive and optimistic person. And yeah, it's easy to be positive and optimistic when you haven't faced anything. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. I had right. everything to be grateful for up until that point. And so when these, all of these tragedies happened to me and these really hard things happened to me, I got an appreciation for an easy life, you know, and, and I got an appreciation for how difficult it is to maintain a positive um, and encouraging demeanor and attitude and how important it is to be intentional about curating an experience in your life where you have more positive inputs than negative. And so that translated into how I talk to myself, how I talk to other people, how I present myself, who I affiliate with, 
you know, my activities, all of those things. And it was quite a journey. And so when I see people now who are not the rah-rah types, but the empowering, like the people we look to, Tony Robbins, you know, right. uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey, you know, right. Brandon Borchard, all these different people. Before I looked at them, I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. But then uh, now I know why they're that way <laughs> and the practices that they developed on the journey that enabled them to help other people and help themselves. And so I do have a, an appreciation for the journey and people have shared with me how they have observed me over time and they've seen, you know, they've seen snippets of how I've navigated my life after that has motivated them and inspired them and empowered them. And so they're even recognizing the value in the journey as well yeah. and what that can look like for, for them. That's powerful. And I think you're hitting on kind of the crux of my mission behind this entire podcast, which is about leadership starts with self first. And I feel like we oftentimes, especially I observe in leadership, people are more interested in jumping right to the, how can I impact other people? How can I influence, you know, my team? How can I, everything's external. And I find the disconnect comes from not really having a good command or a good understanding of yourself first and having really good practices that you you practice every day and you're honing and getting good at, then that naturally kind of extends out. Like it's, for me, it's always an inside out approach. And what I hear you saying is that starting with that self first, and then being able to shift into kind of more of that outward external impact, you have to be able to impact yourself first. If you can't take care of you, you can't help and take care of other people, not effectively anyway. I, I really agree with that. Um, from a, from a business leadership perspective and a, and a personal, I don't know that you can necessarily separate them, but the best leadership programs that I've ever seen or been a part of start with a personal assessment. And I'm not just talking about an assessment of leadership strengths and weaknesses. I'm talking about who you are as an individual, because that is going to influence how you see yourself as a part of the organization and in turn, how you influence other people and how you treat other people. And mm -hmm. so that is a way a foundation for developing your vision as well as your own style, uh, your, your style of, of influence and, and leading. And in my experience, personally, yes, it's, it's an inside job. You know, people say happiness is an inside job and uh, happiness is fine, but I, I, I like to talk about joy, you know, and peace. <laughs> Amen. I was going to say peace is like my word. When people say like, what do you hope to accomplish in this world? It's for more internal peace for me. Like it's because there's so much out of our control, right? That we, even as leaders, like we want to lead teams. We want to lead people. There's a lot of variables there and things that are out of your control. But if you can be peaceful internally with yourself, it's amazing what can happen. Even if there's chaos all around you, you're much, and people, I, I find that people really gravitate to that too. Cause I think people are also looking for that. They want someone to stabilize them when they're in the rough seas, someone to come along and just kind of stabilize the water for them. So they're not feeling so, and that's where, for me, the best leaders I've worked for have that stabilizing force. And what it comes back to is that calm and that peace. 
and that self-awareness, they're hyper, hyper self-aware. And it's not like you said, just take an assessment and be done. It's a daily practice of, and I was just talking to my leader about this yesterday. We had an all hands meeting and he was saying, Hey, these are the things I noticed that I had done in the meeting. And this is how I think it came across. Like, what are your thoughts? What do you see? What are you, what do you think I can improve on? But just constantly like coming back to that self-awareness and, and understanding you have blind spots, understanding you have, you know, areas that you might want to improve, but just being really dedicated to that process, the best leaders I've ever worked for are the ones who are self-aware and bring that kind of calming piece that mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, okay. The world's not falling apart. I'm not going <laughs> to sink in this ship. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and the, the, the peace is, so it's the calm and it, it's the calm that comes from peace and the peace yeah. is understanding that there's more at play there than this immediate situation. And so people who have peace have a bigger, have a broader perspective. And so they're mm-hmm. able to see what's happening in the moment relative to a, a bigger picture. And so, and they realize that it's a long game, you know, so it's not, it's not just about all of this. It's about the, the, the timeline of, of action. And I, I agree with the self-awareness and, and again, self-awareness is not a, a destination. It's, it's a state of being, and you have to intentionally um, foster that and and nurture that on an ongoing basis. And some, and you're probably familiar with some of these practices. And I, and when I'm working with my clients and many of my clients are leaders in, um, in their domains, I encourage them. And I do this for myself. I don't have my clients doing, do anything I don't do for myself. So every day, you know, I have a gratitude practice and it doesn't, it's not a long involved practice, but it's an intentional thing that I do every day in the morning. And at night and often throughout throughout my day. And I, I, de- I uh, document these things. I don't just say it, but I actually document them. I have um, big goals. I have goals and aspirations like most people. And then I have micro goals. So every day I am thinking about what I'm gonna, what I want this day to look like relative to my goals. And sometimes, you know, things don't happen the way you plan. Most of the time, things don't happen the way you plan, <laughs> you know, or how you think they're going to turn out. And that's okay too, you know, learning how to be resilient in the moment, but being resilient, big picture. I'm big on journaling. I, I do journal. And we met through one of the groups that we met through was a, a goals group. So, you know, mm-hmm. being intentional every week about identifying what the goals are for the week and celebrating the accomplishments. Uh, for the week. So I'm very intentional about doing all of those things. And I encourage all my clients to do that. And that develops self-awareness. And I'm a proponent of leveraging your strengths. I'm I'm less of, I I focus less on weaknesses because we all have them. They're not going away. Not to say that you shouldn't acknowledge areas of, of growth, but how can you use or leverage your strengths bring up maybe areas for growth and development. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I have to be honest here. So I have never been a real big goals person because for me, at least it feels like I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. For instance, two years ago, I started a coaching program. I became a certified coach. I wanted to do more coaching and I put a lot of really I would think unrealistic expectations. Like by the end of the first year, I want to have 300 hours logged and by 
year 201. And I thought to myself, Jen, oh my gosh, what are you doing to yourself? Relax. Like it's okay. There's no rush, but I will say this goal chat. First of all, I really love, cause I found myself going into there and saying, Hey, yeah, what have I accomplished this week? That's a good point. And it gives me a lot of not only self-awareness, but it feels like empowering. Cause I remind myself, Oh, you actually got some things done this week. Cause I can fall into a rut of oh my gosh, I didn't get done what I wanted to do. I'm you know, not doing this well. It's more negative. But when I have a space where I can go to be like, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, I did that. Great. That was one. And the other one I started a few years ago, which was I have a folder in my inbox. Whenever I get a nice email or you know, something happens, even if it's like a program I'm launching, a launch email, I file those away. And I also write notes to myself when good things happen. And I file them away in my folder. And then every so often I'll go in and I'll start reminding myself and looking through them. And that has helped me a lot to, again, kind of get more grounded in not everything's bad, not everything's going wrong. You're you're doing good things, you know, all those things. So that, so I like how you're talking about having a, an intentional practice Mm -hmm. because I can see where that would be really beneficial because I think a lot of us get stuck in the I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. That's when like goals for me get a little out of whack. I have to find a good balance for me and that works for me, but having a practice of being able to have a record of all the great and amazing things that you do and being able to reflect on that, I think is really, really important. So I think it's also about whatever works for you, but having some kind of an intentional practice. Mm-hmm. And in that I though is, um, is also I've learned and I've just I've discovered that this is really valuable uh I'm a goals person I've always been that's just kind of how I'm wired um personality wise and I love checking I'm the I'm that person who goes back and writes something in that I forgot to write in and check so I could check it off okay (laughs) I'm that person but I've also learned to um hold my goals like goals as we understand them loosely because the other part of it is there's achieving a specific outcome, but there's also the, the, how I am experienced the path to getting there. So if I'm not, if I'm not, and I don't want to say if I'm not enjoying it and it doesn't mean that I'm enjoying it every day and every single minute, because sometimes there's effort, there has to be some effort involved and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but if I'm, if it's still not motivating me, if that my actions towards the goal is not motivating me, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to really revisit this goal. And maybe I need to make some adjustments to it or get rid of it altogether. Or maybe there's something I'm really trying to do. And that's how I expressed it before, but this is really closer to what I'm actually trying to accomplish. And so I do that on a regular basis as well. So tracking, you know, specific um, milestones is helpful, but also how am I, how am I feeling in the journey? is also important for me to recognize. And so both of those come into play when I talk about working towards goals. Yeah. I can see how that would be powerful too, because yeah, it is more than just the goal or just the checkbox. It's the whole experience. And I like how you, I always say it's your North star and we need to constantly realign ourselves. If we find we're straying from that, or it's not aligned, like know what that North star is or that goal and say, Am I aligned? I'm curious your thoughts. I was actually looking at my whiteboard because this is something I'm a big proponent of is having mantras or rituals. So 
I, instead of like setting, like, um, what are they called? Uh, not goals, but what do you set at the beginning of every year? I'm always blanking. Oh, on the me. word of the year or something. Or no, um, or, yeah, oh, well, resolutions, resolutions. That's where I'm thinking of. So everyone, you know, at the beginning of the year, like set resolutions or even their word of the year intention. For me, it's about almost writing a phrase down that I can remind myself of. So, and it's in my office. So it's on my whiteboard. I look at it all the time, but it's a reminder to go. Oh, okay. So like last year, one of them was letting go of attachment. So not getting really attached to maybe a goal and really hyper-focusing on it, but doing that kind of check-in process and see, am I attached? Am I able to kind of take a step back and get that broader perspective? So things like that, or one year I had an acronym that I use a lot, which was wait. So I'd ask myself a lot, why am I talking right now? So I would get curious. And if I found myself really rambling or talking over people, I would ask myself that question in my head and kind of get curious, but I, I, what are your thoughts on like either mantras or rituals or things like that, that are more like North star, but just there to help kind of remind you of maybe a practice. Um, I think those are uh, valuable and I have, I have done those and, and use those. Um, I do a lot of work around, um, you know, vision and mission, whether it's, um, uh, for your business or for yourself individually. And again, I do all of these things for myself. And so sometimes I have the similar approach and I, maybe my perspective is similar to yours with goals. Um, sometimes you don't have the inspiration on January 1st for that right. word or mantra. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so right. I think it's important, but I also know that those dates are arbitrary in terms of yeah. their significance. But I yeah. think- so sometimes the word doesn't come to me on January 1st. Sometimes it comes to me on February 15th or April 3rd or something like right. that. Yeah. And sometimes it changes, you know, because some of a circumstance or insight or whatever. But mm-hmm. I absolutely believe in having something that's guiding you. Yeah. Whether it's a word or a mantra. For me, when I was in the rebuilding phases, you know, one of the things was, you know, I, I, I can do hard things, you know, I can do hard things. And I was just going through my phone the other day with all these pictures. And I had a sticky note that I had written something because I had started attracting um, potential clients that just weren't aligned with the kind of the way that I like to work or the way that I feel people get the most benefit. And so I had to remind myself. And so I wrote on a sticky note, I don't do quick fixes. I don't do quick Mm -hmm. fixes. So whenever I I would be encountering someone, I would remember, is this a quick, are they looking for a quick fix? Remember, you don't do that. Mm. (laughs) So, I mean, those, those kind of things, um, phrases, words, um, affirmations, all of those kind of things are, those are tools that we use, you know, um, to sharing with your listeners, those are tools that people can use because it is easy to get discouraged and it is easy to, you know, play those old tapes and that. And, but we also have the power when you're talking about personal power, we have, we don't have the power to stop the thoughts from emerging, but when they do emerge, we have the power to stop them from derailing us. And one of the tools that we can use with those thoughts is to turn them around into something that's affirming something that is motivating and inspiring to us. So I definitely believe in that. Yeah. And that's where I think some of the self-awareness comes in as well is 
The hardest part in that I think is noticing it, noticing when those thoughts do start to emerge, because a lot of times they're so ingrained in us that we may not notice, or we may not even think anything of it because it's been our story for 30, 40, 50 years. But when can we take that pause and go, Oh, I hear that same voice again. I see that happening again. Yeah. Then what is my mantra resolution of affirmation to flip that? But I think it's that noticing part where I think self-awareness really helps is when you can really understand those voices and those thought patterns and what you're thinking and how those are coming up and then finding ways to do it. I think, yeah, it's extremely powerful. I always look at it like space. It's like, I try to create more space in my life so I can make better decisions. So I'm not reacting and being more responsive. And that responsiveness is aligned to my why, my North star, my affirmations, whatever. But when we're in that reacting mode, it tends to kind of default back into kind of those same thought patterns. So I think, you know, when I'm thinking about just my own kind of adversity that I've gone through, I think that's been one of the blessings I've been able to pick out from that. Because again, when you are like forced (laughs) to really sit with and face something that's happened, like you have no other option it really forces you to take a really good look at it and understand like, oh, okay, now I hear where that's coming from, or I know why that's there, but it forces you to really, really take a good look at it. So that gives you another piece of data that goes, oh, that's coming from that response, right? Later in my life, when I'm dealing with it again, oh, I'm reacting because of this, right? I know that I know it because I've been with it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it goes back to self-awareness too, is about really understanding yourself and then finding those affirmations or things that work for you to help you kind of recenter and shift. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the self-awareness is important. And I'm thinking about, um, my, my journey and people don't like that word, but I, I do, it is, it's, I, I don't know, another way to describe it. But I do too. It's, it's it feels journey. like a journey. It feels like a journey, you know, and and it's it's cool. And I just remember having to reacting to the circumstances that I had faced and having to make decisions in the moment because I needed an income. I couldn't be selective about careers because I'm, I just need a job, you know, kind of a thing. And I wasn't is this, you know, the, the, my forever job and this is, I'm like, are you going to pay me? You know what I mean? Right. And so I can understand too, when people come to me, when I'm encountering potential clients or working with clients who are, who need survival, you know, focus, as opposed to that long-term, you know, woo-woo job. But I remember adopting, you know, different practices and mindsets to get me into that that survival job and to navigate through it. And then I remember some moments after that, when, when the dust settled and, you know, things were getting a little bit more stable for me and then wanting to have greater satisfaction in the work that I was doing and all of that stuff, rebuilding my life. And I, I recognized that I was bringing my survival mentality into this new season and I had to change. I had to, I had to, I had to deal with that. And so, but it it took a great amount of self, it takes self-awareness, but you know, Jen, in self-awareness, it's those practices that you and I are so, um, such proponents of, you don't, you can't get to self-awareness without documenting things, 
in my opinion. And yeah. so that's where the journaling became so valuable to me because I started seeing my, my emotions expressed in writing. Mm-hmm. And I could, I, could, I could see and experience the themes that I kept marinating on and, and, mm-hmm. and things that I was working through and all of that. And the journaling really helped me with that. Yeah. And it gave me the data you know, that led to a, a different degree or a greater degree of self-awareness on that journey. And it allowed me to see something that I needed to address if yeah. I wanted to have the vision for my future. Yeah. What I'm always getting back to, and this is, I think Susan David talked about this in probably her book, but thinking about things as data points, like our feelings, our experiences, all of that is not you like, and this might be a little spiritual, but at the core, like we are all so much bigger than that. And I think we lose sight of that a lot where we start to embody and think that these things that are happening or these emotions, even that we're having are a part of us or it's, or it dictates it. But if you can say like, oh, that's a data point that's telling me something, right? It's just like another clue. It removes that like attachment to feeling like, oh, because I lost this job. Now that must mean I'm a failure and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a loser and I, I'm never going to get a better job. But, and that goes into that survival kind of, you know, and we all have different stories we tell ourselves, but, you know, getting into that survival kind of mindset feels like it's a, I don't know, it's not, not kind of that being that at least I'm striving to work towards is being more of that embodied kind of spiritual being that's, when you get there and we all tap into that, I think also quite, you know, some more than others, but it's all there, but it, you can feel it. There's like a feeling when you're really tapped into that and you're confident, you're self-aware, you're empowered, you're kind, you're peaceful, you're all these things. And that's what I feel like at the essence is what comes from peace is when you can be in that really heightened self kind of place where it's not that like wounded, um, survival kind of mentality or mindset. And you're in that really kind of just peaceful place. People, again, I think they really gravitate towards it. And to me, it's always about creating more space and like, how can more of that take up space versus that survival kind of, um, I think that for me, at least in my own personal life and traumas and things going through that, that's what it taught me. It was like, okay, those are data points that can help me understand myself better and know they're not me. Like the real Jen is not wounded or, you know, we're all so much more than that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just a really powerful way in these practices. I can't, I have so hundred percent agree with you. Like even self-awareness, any, any thing you want to become, you want to become a great basketball player. You have to Mm -hmm. practice, 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 just like with self-awareness, everything else. Mm -hmm. It is those practices. And I love talking, you were talking about the journaling. I think that's really powerful. Um, but I think it's about intention, right? Creating those intentions to be, to practice it every day. And over time, I think it builds that muscle of more resiliency and more kind of just, for me, it's peace and calm. The more we have those data points, it's more peaceful to me. Um, I, I think that's so important. I think that's so important. You're absolutely right. It's just data. It's just information. It does. It's, it is, it's what you make of it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And right. um, I, I think I am, I definitely believe in intention and I, it's important for people to understand that 
the, what we're talking about doesn't happen overnight. I mean, this is years of focused and intentional effort and it, and, and it doesn't have to be a time consuming. It's not about how much time you spend doing this mm -hmm. in a day or within a period of time. It's that you do it intentionally, consistently over time. Yep. And it's a cumulative effect, you know, the tortoise and the hare, it's the slow and steady, the slow and steady. And understanding that you have to sometimes delay gratification and that often you're not going to recognize it until you recognize it. <laughs> you know, yep. that, that you have that aha moment, but you, but you have to, have to um, embrace and you have to trust that if you do these things consistently and intentionally, you will get to that state of peace and you'll be able to maintain it because then those practices will have become habits. Yeah. And you talk to any coach, career coach, life coach, business coach, leadership coach, fitness coach. Coach, you know, coach, coaches. Really, We're all coaches nowadays. All those coaches. <laughs> they, you're going to hear the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Focus on the fundamentals. Do that consistently a little bit every day. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And I think of it, I was talking to Dr. Deb from the PTSD and beyond podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking about skills and how important it is to become a master and to master skills is a life journey. It's not a, you know, I'm going to do this for a couple months and then expect a, a different result. Maybe a small, slight change might happen, but it takes a lot of time to start mastering these things because what happens is, especially like when you're facing adversity or some major event happens to you, no matter how much work you've done, life has a great way of just pushing you right back into that kind of survival mode, that kind of old storyline, the, the wounded part constantly. And it, I think it's about how we shift how that shift occurs and how quickly we can do that, I think comes from practice. It's not about protecting yourself so nothing bad ever happens. It's about what do you do in those moments when those things happen, how do you respond? And I think with those practices and the intentions and being really a, a student of just life and really developing ways to master these things is how you can really shift out of them more quickly. And to me, that's what resilience is. It's not about becoming so great. Nothing ever happens to you or so protected. It's about how do you shift through things mm -hmm. more quickly in a healthy way, right? Not in a toxic positivity. Oh, life's great. Yeah. Nothing's going wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't see the burning building behind me. No, it's fine. <laughs> but it's about how do we acknowledge, Hey, the house is on fire. How quickly can we do that? And then what do I need to do to put out the fire? Right. Or mm -hmm. that's, that's the real skill. And mm -hmm. I personally see it lacking a lot in leadership just from my own because I'm a leadership coach. I just, mm -hmm. it's very, very hard to find people who are willing to really put in that mastery time to um, really master skills that are necessary, I think, to be a really great leader. I think it's really hard, especially within um, organizations and large established organizations. It's, it's really hard because, I mean, you're there ultimately to make money and yeah. it takes, a lot of time to manage people as individual human beings from a place of humanity. It, I mean, that's just the reality of it. I, I think you should try, but you the demands on you are concrete metrics. 
<laughs> you know, and you're trying to motivate people, you're trying to motivate people who are squishy, full of emotions and life experiences to, to fall in line with concrete metrics. That's yeah. really, really hard to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I still think that the best leaders attempt to do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's why I always say that I think we need systematic change. Like I get it. I get that in organizations, of course, the revenue and the cogs are really important. We have to manage our expenses. We have to make sure we're bringing money into the business. But if you think about it, who's br what's bringing money into the company? It's not robots. It's not, you know, there's people at people out selling people out, having conversations with customers, whomever having conversations with teams, it's all people. So if you, they're the ones driving the revenue and the results, I feel like it's backwards. Like we put, like, I, I think there's room for both. I yeah. obviously understand you need to make sure you keep an eye on the revenue, but you need to put a lot of focus on the people because the people are the ones who are going to drive the results. And they're the ones who are, if they're working well together, they feel valued. They feel included. They feel like they belong. They feel all these things. They're going to produce more and they're going to be more effective. They're going to work better together. That's one of our value statements. Mm -hmm. How can we work better together? Because mm -hmm. it has a direct result on the value we're going to provide to the company and our customers, partners, everybody. You have to, I mean, but I feel like we want to kind of skip over that. It's like, oh, we'll write these things down on a piece of paper <laughs> and hope, I guess they all just kind of magically happen. And then no, but we'll focus back on the business and mm -hmm. revenue and make more money. Um, I just think our priorities are kind of out of alignment. And mm -hmm. if COVID taught us anything, <laughs> you know, with this pandemic, I mean, people were really forced to have these uncomfortable conversations to start looking at these skills that maybe they didn't have before because you didn't really have another choice. Like you couldn't mm -hmm. turn your head away from the pandemic, all the racial injustice that's been going on in our culture and all the other things. You can't turn your face away from that. You have to, sure. it almost, to me, it felt like a, one of those like defining moments where it was like, you can't look away. And once you see it, you have to act on it. You can't right. unsee it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the leaders who are going to be successful, like in the future are going to be these ones, like have the practices, like you're talking about, like the mastery of skills, having self-awareness, having practices, whether that's journaling, you know, other people like other things, but whatever it is for you, but having that really good practice, intentional practice of mastering kind of that self-awareness and helping yourself just get really clear on your values, your mission and what impact you want to make. And then you start to find, like we were talking about before we um, started the podcast was there's a lot of times people will decide, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. Like maybe this job or this marriage or whatever, just not for me. And I'm, I'm out like, and that's okay too. But I think it's, I think it's about helping people create that kind of sense of clarity. Mm -hmm, for sure. Definitely that the clarity about what they want, who they want to be, what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of my last questions I want to wrap up with, I've been saving this because I've been thinking about it since we started talking, but if the Markel today could go back and talk to your, talk to your younger self, who was going through, you know, all that adversity, what is the one piece of wisdom you would leave with that younger self? Mm. 
I think the first thing that's coming to mind, I'll just go with the first thing that's coming to mind is you're going to be okay. You, you can do this. Yeah. And that is, interestingly, I went through this whole process of really getting clear about about where I want, what I wanted for my business, but also what I wanted my clients to, to um, experience. And a question like that was something that I considered. And if I could tell my clients anything, that's what I would tell them is you can do it. Yeah. I also like that you said you'll be okay. I feel like a lot of times that's what people want to hear when it's interesting because we'll have conversations with people. And I actually talk to my leadership team a lot about this is that people often talk at the symptomatic level. They're talking about, you know, the things that are bothering them that they can recognize. Most people are thinking about it in a very kind of high level way. They're not really rooted in the, like what is really driving this. So being able to help them kind of take it down. And I feel like one of the things that helps them do that is just by saying, it's okay. You're okay. You're going to be okay. And give, and that's that stabilizing or that peace kind of being able to tell people that I think is so important because what they're really saying is they're not, you know, they don't want to hear more about the strategy, which is what we're hearing. I'm saying, no, I think what they're really saying is they don't see, they don't feel valued. They don't feel seen. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like they matter, like they belong in this organization. So we have to kind of also, I think, step away from kind of looking at things at a very symptomatic level when people Mm -hmm. may not have the language or maybe not be tuned into what's really being kind of going on. I think we have to really focus in on that. And one of the ways, again, I've seen people do that well is by saying, it's okay, you're going to be okay, no matter what happens, it'll be fine. I think that who is saying that matters as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to something we talked about earlier um, with the people that you associate with and the people who are in your yeah. life and being intentional about that. And for me, you know, my family is very important, family, faith, family, and friends. And, you know, I was thinking how I was, my grandmother, at the time she was in her nineties, she's passed away now. And I remember sitting, I would up visit her all the time. And I remember sitting there with her. And then, um, you know, this was after my husband had passed away before I had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. So this was really early in that loss. And I was just, and I, like I mentioned, there were other, other people, I had other people who had, had passed other things. So I was just the feeling, the burden and the weight of despair of over all of these things. And I was sitting there with my grandmother as bring me back. And I was just, I was heartbroken and devastated. And I just was crying. And I just like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what, what am I supposed to do with all of this? And, um, you know, and then she just listened to me and I was just crying. And then it was time for me to go. And as I was leaving, my grandmother gets up and she, she's at this, she's in her nineties. So she's very frail and, you know, small. And she just like, she gives me a hug and she's like, you're going to be okay. And so coming from someone who experienced a lot of the same things that I did already and has had lived almost a hundred years through many changes in the United States and having seen firsthand all those things lived through the depression and everything since, you know, getting rights, that, yeah. you know, that we take for granted today. And so when it came from her, 
Yeah. Then I said, okay, I'm going to be okay. You know, she yeah. said, just trust God, you're going to be okay. And, yeah. and so that's the message I carry with me through this. And uh, that's the message that I want to share with other people. And I have tactical ways to help them to, you know, strengthen that, um, strengthen that um, resolve, if you will. Yeah. It's such a beautiful story. As you were telling the story, I almost had an image of you and your grandmother and it, yeah, that's such a sweet story. And what a powerful figure to have in your life, to be able to, again, bring that stabilizing force and that peace, right. To say, you know, it'll be okay. I mean, and I think there is some, and again, that's not toxic positivity, right? That's not saying, oh, you know, buck up, honey, you got a lot of good things going for you. You know, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Like, oh gosh, I just hate when people do that because it's like, okay, what I, and what you were saying was it, it really struck a chord with me because I often talk to, you know, people in my life who I think have good intentions and, you know, want to help me. But when I'm feeling in that despair, that's the one thing I want to hear somebody say, it's just, you're going to be okay. Like, you know, you got this, it's going to be okay. No matter what happens, we don't Mm want to hear right? Honey, let me solve your problems for you. I know how, you know, for you to mm-hmm. get that job or people just want you to kind of be there with them and go, it's okay. And what a great blessing it was to have a grandmother like that with so much wisdom and experience and love that could provide mm-hmm. that support to you. That's, mm-hmm. that's really amazing. I just had such a warm feeling when you were telling that story and imagining your grandmother. It was, it was very, I appreciated it very much as you can imagine. And, yeah. you know, I had to, I know we're at the end and, you know, I had, I, unfortunately, I mean, I have a friend who's, who has, you know, joined the club. No one wants to join. And I, um, you know, went and sat with her for, for a little bit and, and I left and I said, you're going to be okay. And I said, it's going to be hard, but you're going to be okay. Yeah. Because I think people want that acknowledged as well. When you, when you, they don't want you to diminish what they're experiencing, but they do need the hope, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, it's going to be hard and just, but just because it's hard doesn't mean you're not going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Ah, oh, give me goose pimples. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I want to thank you for this conversation. It was wonderful. Where can people find you in futures in motion? So I'm on all the platforms. And if you type in futures in motion or and Markel, you will find me. So uh, my website is uh, www.futures-in-motion.com. And my, all my handles are at futures in motion. So I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me pretty easily. Um, I'm a gaucho. Go gauchos. You see Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, um, yeah, my affiliation. That's awesome. I almost went to UC Santa Barbara, actually. That was interesting story for another time, but that's cool. And you're in California, right? You're in, I'm in California. I'm based in long beach, California, but I, um, I work virtually. So, uh, I'm, I'm in that virtual, even before COVID my business was hundred percent virtual. So I do work, um, one-on-one with people who are wanting that individual coaching. And I do have, um, uh, coaching programs, self-directed and guided programs. So I, I just launched a, an online class that goes along as a companion to the uh, career guide that I wrote. So it walks people through that. And um, I have some guided coaching programs and one-on-one 
meal coaching programs. Cool. I say at the very least, you got to find her on social, especially on Twitter. I love, I just love all your inspirational kind of words of wisdom and the things that you share. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you. Cause I was like, we have to share this with the listeners. Cause I just always find such inspiration from you. So I appreciate you taking Thank the time you. to have this conversation today and yeah, look forward to future conversations on social media. <laughs> Thanks for having me and I will see you online.